It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 10th, and you're listening to episode 428. I just did that intro. Intro. I'm Jason. I did not do nearly as good of a job as the other gentleman here talking to me would have done with an intro because he is the king of intros. Uh, that's that's how he's known. Also known as your moderator, Chris. Chris Me Show from Flip the Table. How are you doing, pal? Hi. It's good to be here. It's you did great fine. to have you here. It was it was a fine intro. Was it? Was it? Was it? it? Was yeah, fine. Yeah. I, I like to say that <laughs> even if my intros aren't perfect, they're always better than Rob's ever were since he messed it up about 75% of the time. And I do pretty good. I would say I mess it up about 15 to 20% of the time. Yeah. That I leave in. I, I, there's probably another 10% that I cut because it's so bad. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So it's good. It's good times. It's good times. See, I, I don't have to come up with topics as much anymore because I have so many guests on. So I'm able to focus on on the real stuff. Like You just specialize right. in, uh, in yes. the first... Uh, 60 seconds of the show and then right. and then by then the download number is clicked and they can't back out of it so <laughs> right 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 yeah everything else could just be like sometimes there have been episodes where i feel like that might be marginally better than <laughs> what we actually <laughs> talked about so you know it's all good it's all good um yeah 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 so so how has it been going in your uh, in your neck of the woods over there up in the mainland known as M- Maine? Yeah, all things right? considered, yeah. pretty well. Uh, I had a baby since the last time we talked. You did? Yeah. I remember that now because the last time you and I chatted was just we had a phone call. Right. And, uh, and that was like a couple days before, right? Or was that a couple or was that after? That was a little bit. Of, so the last no. time we talked publicly on the record... I had not yet had the baby, but uh, we did have a phone call shortly into my uh, baby leave. Um, yes, yes. Now I remember that. Yeah, I remember it was, uh, I concocted this plan in my head because I didn't want to be too isolated. And, and when you're home with a newborn, it is very isolating. Like we're all isolated Absolutely. right now, but being home with a newborn is is extra isolating because you're not sleeping and your schedule is weird. Right. <laughs> And, right, and, right. and so in my sleep-deprived brain, I'm coming up with this plan like, man, I need to catch up with some people. I should schedule some podcast appearances, and then that'll be an excuse to like just talk to them for an hour. And after mulling this right, and coming right. up with all these plans, and, and like, you know, I could just call them on the phone. Right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't have yes, to have yes. all this artifice. Like, <laughs> right, right, like right. you just want to catch up for an hour? Um, so we caught up. It was, it was a pleasant chat. It was good. It, it was funny because you and I joked about it. I mean, that was like the first time because we've never met in person. That was mm-hmm. the first time we'd ever really had a chat where it wasn't recorded eventually, right? Like, right. Like it wasn't like we recorded a podcast and we've certainly emailed each other a lot, messaged each other a lot. But but yeah, that was the first time we'd actually just chatted to chat and it felt weird. And you know what, Builders, you missed out because it would have been a good podcast. I'm not, oh, I mean, yeah, it would have yeah, been pretty solid. Like, yeah, uh, so. We were never more on than during that hour yeah. when I was walking You'll down have to West Broadway us, right? <laughs> by Stephen King's house. Um, right, right. And people are staring at me, talking on my phone like a rude jerk. But um. <laughs> <laughs> 
it could have been because you were like walking with your like podcasting microphone. That's true. It wasn't even plugged in anything. I just had like, <laughs> it's, I feel more comfortable talking to it. So it's <laughs> than actual people. So it's so it's kind of like this sort of mental crutch I, I carry my regular microphone around when it, I talk it, on the phone. It eases your per- performance anxiety, right? Right. I, otherwise, I just lock up. I'm useless. Yes, yes. So, so before you, before we started recording, I promised to tell a story that I didn't tell you because I thought it was funny. So we were goofing around before we started recording, and and you mentioned, uh, I oh, I said I say your name a lot because I, I name drop a lot because I like to name drop. And then you were like, well, recently when I was hanging out with Elvis Presley, uh, <laughs> and it's funny because Elvis is dead, right? right. That's, that was a spot on Chris impression. I know, I know. Um, and so I can tell this story now because the person that told me this story is no longer with us and it was only somebody i knew tangentially but i still like in any chance that they could have listened to this show somehow i wouldn't want them to but but they are gone and no one else that they know knows me and so i will tell the story that this this guy was working with him on a film and he was like he was in the film right um and he 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 was a storyteller right like he liked to tell stories about how he was like you know um like about these people he knew and in famous people and stuff and and it always seemed a little bit off right yeah. it always seemed a little bit like uh i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't think this is real but like i don't know you that well so like i'm not gonna call you out on that because it's not hurting oh, yeah. anything well, I've, I've known people like that it, like they just like the, the one too many name drops and at a certain point it's the believability starts to crack and Right, yeah. right. And so he was like, listen, I want to get I'm going to get our movie reviewed for us by someone big. And I was like, I mean, I'm okay, sure, sure, you do it, right? If you can get someone big to review our independent film, okay, yeah, that's great, right? Again, not hoping for any I guess a little bit of hope, but not not really believing that that was possible, right? Well, then like later this person comes back to me and tells me this long story about how they had a very nice chat um with uh Roger Ebert. Um, and they had this chat with Roger Ebert and Roger Ebert was alive at the time. Right. Okay. But then there was this, like the best part of a really good lie is the details. Right. So this person said, well, while I talked to him, he was enjoying his dinner and he was blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, and I thought, well, that's, that's odd because I think that I know something about Roger Ebert that would preclude all of that from happening. So I, I went to another friend and I said, Hey, Somebody just told me this story about Roger Ebert, and they said, Roger Ebert, um, he can't talk, and he can't eat food like normal. Right. He so has gone through like, some is... really unfortunate medical issues. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm not making light of those at all. What I'm right. saying is, like, it was like, if you're going to tell a big, crazy lie, do your research. Like, like, right. Like, what? Um, so anyways... Um, that was kind of the beginning of the end of us like chatting about stuff. Yeah, <laughs> because like, like I was when you like, get caught what? that kind of red-handed, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, I think you and I both, and I still get the emails. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, uh, where it's somebody who has something to sell in the board game world, and the first three sentences are, uh, "I listen to your show every week. I'm your biggest fan. Will you please have me on for an interview?" about xyz product um right yep yep and uh uh building the game generally does not do kickstarter previews uh flip the table certainly didn't when we were on the air right 
Well, you always joke that, like, why would you want our show to do a preview for right. you? We talk about bad games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so you just you just catch somebody dead to rights, kind of being dishonest with you, and, and then that's you know it's icky. It's icky. The, right. And, right. You know, so I, I feel like we talked about that on a previous show where it's like, hey, if you're going to market your stuff, you, you got to be genuine. Right, gotta, right. Well, yeah. that's why I started. The, so first of all, about this person, I never confronted them with it. I just let it go because I was like, I don't need to embarrass this person. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like if they like like if they feel strongly enough that they need to do this just to like fit in with people like that's that's unfortunate. And I'm not going to like I'm not going to make it worse. Right. Like. So anyways, but uh, but no, for the for the thing, that's why I started the policy of I always say to people, if you want to get my attention, because we get a lot of spam, right? Where it's like, right. Hey, I love your show. Um, I always say to people like say something specifically nice about our show when you send me an email and you'll get my attention. Right. And it's not because like because I need you to say something nice to me. It's because that will tell me that you know about the show. And that I actually probably want to help you. It's, it's Van Halen. Um, somebody, it's the brown M&Ms right, and the rider. Yes, right? right. Exactly. Right. I actually had somebody email me not too long ago and say like, hey, uh, I wondered, you know, I really am a big fan of your show. Uh, would you be willing to have me on? And I was like, sure. I said, what are, what are the, I said, but what do, so if you're a listener, if you're a big listener, what, what are you? And they replied and they said, well, of course I'm a builder. And I said, okay, well, let's chat. Um, because like, <laughs> if you know that you clearly have listened to the show a few times. Right. Um, so anyways, and, uh, but yeah, so I, I just, um, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I still get like spam emails. You probably still get them even though you don't oh, have yeah. a podcast Oh yeah. And it's anymore. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's super funny every time it happens. And I know there's, there's probably a lot of instances where somebody has paid a probably disingenuous marketing company to help them. Uh, and oh, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel sure. a little bad in those situations because somebody probably there's probably some genuine people who have gotten suckered by some less than genuine people who are now right trying right. to get the word out about their their product. Um, right, but, right, but it's 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 still kind of funny. Um, I think I've replied to one because I was in a bad mood that day saying something to the effect oh. of, um, "Yeah, so our show hasn't been on the air since 2017, so I'm sorry I can't help you." <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. This has been honesty corner with uh, Jason and friends. Honesty corner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be honest sometimes, right? It's a documentary podcast that right. allows us to get away with saying whatever we want and being honest about it. Right. Um. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I so I have to make it, it. I have to admit something. So I spent most of today on a boat. We rented a pontoon boat for the day. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see my mom, hung out with the kids. It was great. Uh, but as I sit here, I legit feel like I'm like I'm rocking back and forth <laughs> when I sit still, and it's really really weird on my equilibrium trying to focus. Like like whoa. <laughs> so, so so we just had a conversation about honesty, Jason. And I feel like you just came up with an elaborate story to explain away uh, when you could have just told me you've been drinking all day, and that's really <laughs> no. I can't. You can't drink in boat, Chris. <laughs> My kids were there. I sadly did not have a single drink on that boat, even though after several hours with the kids like yelling at each other, uh, I could have used a stiff drink. <laughs> but it was actually a lovely day. But um, okay, well, good. I'm glad you had a lovely, lovely day. day. Yeah. 
Have you uh, have you played any games lately? Dare I ask? You know, have you I have. I have lately? managed to play some games. Uh, and uh, you know, not to steal uh, one of the questions that we might address uh, in this show, but uh, I, I have been dipping my toes into remote gaming uh, by platforms like Zoom. Um, Excellent. Yeah. I, I, do, I don't do a ton of app gaming only because um, I just don't have that community of people around me who have the same board game apps that I do. Um, same, same, and, yep. And that's a big part of it is like, you know, remote gaming only really works best when both people have the game. It, you, you can theoretically do right. it with one person having the game and like using cameras and stuff, but it, it gets way more complicated. Um, we have had, and, and this game in and of itself, trying to figure out how to make a board game work over a video conferencing platform. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you've got That's things tricky. like, yeah, like uh, we found any, the more cards are in a game, the harder it is, especially if those cards have hidden information, right? Like if you hold yeah, a hand is, of cards. That does make it tough. Yeah, and, and you have to play those cards, it's almost like, forget it. Uh, whereas if you're drawing cards and revealing them, it's a pain in the butt, but you can do it. Um Right, right. So, I, so I, the most successful I've been with slightly modifying a game that is not meant to be played at a distance was Silver and Gold by Pandasaurus. Um, I set my, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've played that or not. Um, it's super good. It's I have a not. really good uh, random and right. Um, I so I sent it to my mom, and basically we just played. We had our own deck of cards, and then there are these shared cards in the middle, but there's only seven of them. Uh, so I I put the camera on those seven cards. And then that basically was the pattern because it's like a it's like a patchwork style game where you're like trying to fill the patterns. Uh, so I would say this is the pattern we're using this turn. And then she could she could pull out her card that had that and then look at it closely and reverse it if she needed to and use that. Um, and then we had our own piles that we were drawing from, even though you'd normally have a shared pile. Uh, and that worked fine. Like I mean, it, the game felt pretty much the same as it normally does yeah but it is really difficult um some other designers and i have talked quite a bit about like how do we make games that are just meant to be played on zoom and i'm actually testing one next monday uh that i pitched on the show called opposite is opposite um that i'm going to test monday uh with my friend ken franklin has set up a group of people to play it over zoom and that is a game with hidden information uh and it's going to be a pain to to try like to play it that way Mm -hmm. For the host. For everyone else, it should be easy. But for me, hosting it, it should be probably fairly difficult, um, which is why I'm trying it. So, yeah, right. it's going to be good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really uh, not every game works for that format, but we are really glad that we've been able to play board games pretty consistently, like usually like on That's a Saturday great. night. Um, and it's usually a little bit later, like 8, 15, 8, 30 when the kids are in bed and we'll squeeze a game in with a Right, with a of course, of course, of right? Um but uh, we've had the best luck with uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Works pretty darn well. Um, I've heard that's a real good one. Yep. Uh, we have, uh, we've done a fair amount of Monopoly, actually. Uh, that's You and Monopoly? I know! Yeah. That's crazy! Um, we've, uh, Sagrada has worked pretty well for us. Um, I've heard that too, yeah, that that's a pretty good one. We managed to get in the game of Back to the Future Dice Through Time, Um which oh, yeah. I still that one was that, that one was a pain because there's a lot of cards to manage and you have to kind of like right right. Y- usually what we do is we'll have like one person they're in charge of shuffling and dealing and then the other people have the cards kind of sorted into some kind of order so they can just like sift through and find the one they need and put it where it needs to go. 
Um, right, right. Um, but we have, but because it's a cooperative game, it lends itself to that a little bit more. Same with It, Evil Below. We played that a couple times over. Um, and I can neglect to mention uh, Real Estate, available for $3 at BNB Arcade. Yes. Um, that one yes. works That one works pretty good over uh, Zoom platforms, too. Any any kind of like yeah. roll and write, roll through yeah. the ages as well. Um, we, that's we had good that's one of where I had, I was going to print off copies of that to give to my mom so that we could just, she could just have it at her apartment. Right. And then we could have our own and fill it in, you know, while we're playing. Uh, and I keep forgetting to do that. I really should do that. Cause I think that, yeah, that seems like a great game for that. I haven't done it over zoom, but it does seem like a great fit for that. So yeah. Cause you don't need, you don't yeah. need cams or anything. You basically just communicate really well. Um, it's just like, yeah, trust yeah, the person. I filled up this row and then everybody scratches it off and you just kind of keep track. Exactly. Yep. Um, we actually yep. will keep like a spare sheet and we'll just write in the initials of people as they claim spaces just so we have an idea of kind of the board. Oh, state. that's, that's smart. Um, so that, that helps too. Um, but, uh, so we've, we've had a pretty steady diet of, uh, games, um, I, I've been, I just went back to work over the last couple of weeks. I was off for a few months with, uh, with the new baby. The first part of that, whenever I had a free moment, I was working on like some kind of leveling up my PowerPoint skills. And then I discovered that, uh, old episodes of square one TV were on YouTube. And that's only all I've been doing since then is <laughs> <laughs> watching old episodes of square one with my daughter, but really a lot by myself too. Right, right, right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There, there's one game that I do want to play, which is not Zoom friendly at all. It, it is in my inbox, and it has jumped to the top of my inbox, and that is Video Vortex. Have you heard of this one? I have not. Okay, so I have not it- played the game. I, I don't know if it's it's super good or super not good or, or whatever, but I'm really excited That's about it. That's a great it. review. Um, The reason I'm really excited about it is because it's got this sort of retro futuristic theme where you are mutants who worship VHS tapes and it's a <laughs> and it's a deck building game where you are renting tapes from the vortex which is actually just an old video store that got unearthed thousands of years in the future and you use that to power your mutant powers and you try to advance your oh, opponent's name- runtime until they run out of minutes and then they give you one of their rewind tokens, and then they start over. Oh my gosh, that sounds yeah. amazing! Yeah, it does sound amazing, doesn't it? Um, was that a Kickstarter game? I probably was. I, I got it retail. Okay. I got it straight from the uh, the manufacturer, which is Mondo. Uh, and oh, okay, very cool. And and, and the art is super cool, and uh, it's just got this bonkers like backstory to it that explains why you are mutants renting videotapes from a deck building thing. Um, Cause that does need some explanation. Let's be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the big sort of mechanical difference in it is it's a deck building game where when you draft a card, it goes straight into your hand rather than into your discard pile. So that is intended to add a sort of different sort of strategy yeah, to the game. For sure. It is certainly more complex than a lot of the deck building games that I have. Um, you know, most of those games have like one or two different currencies. This one has like three, um, so I'm curious to see how it goes, but it just, it's pretty, pretty, pretty game. It's got a weird, weird theme. Uh, I'm excited to try it. Well, I feel like if you're going to have that convoluted of a backstory, you got to have at least three types of currency. I mean, right. yeah, you know, like plus six, whatever. Yeah. You got to have a lot. You got to have a lot. It's got to yeah. be as complex as the backstory. Right? <laughs> 
Like, it's the kind of game where you have to explain the weird backstory to even make sense of what's going on. Uh, and I'm right, excited right, about that. Right, right, right. So you're mutants uh, in the future uh, renting videos from Like, video basically, the Y2K bug Warfare. actually wiped everything out. And What's that? <laughs> and, and then all the missile silos and nuclear power plants and stuff leaked radiation for a couple thousand years. Everybody turned into <laughs> mutants. The mutants discovered an old, decrepit video store and now believe that everything that happened pre-Y2K really happened and that those are all documentaries. But each genre is a version of the truth that they come to worship and idolize, and so they are fighting for, right. like, the horror tribe or the rom-com tribe. Or <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's basically, it's basically office space with the Y2K bug meets Galaxy Quest meets Toxic Avenger. I don't even know what it meets. It's it's difficult to describe, and that's why I, I'm so drawn to it, I guess. So I'll report I'm back. I'm the Galaxy Quest of the, uh, um, yeah. of the uh, you know, historical footage right the tv shows right right so uh so when i visit again in six months i'll let you know how that went but um fantastic yes try to remember that because i would love to hear more about video vortex i plan on going and looking it up after this not because i want to buy it just because it sounds like it would be out of the depth for my play group uh but i really want to look (laughs) definitely some uh some good videos out there to check out yeah that is worth checking out wow uh, I haven't played too much of late. So I did play Ticket to Ride for the first couple times ever. That was fun. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty straightforward uh, game about uh, about building trains and stuff. So that was interesting uh, because, you know, I should have played it probably 10 years ago, but I didn't. So I played it three weeks ago. So that was cool. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I haven't been. I've mostly been um, working on a few design projects, trying to get those pushed forward. Um, hopefully, in the next couple months here, I'll have some really exciting stuff to share with some different uh, publishing stuff. Um, we'll see. So that's my fingers crossed on that. Um, I've been working through a game uh, with Elf Creek that they signed quite a while back, but everything, is, of course, is delayed because of everything right so uh that's uh but we are we are making some really good progress it's gonna be super cool i'm really excited um and then i'm working on with uh game in a curry on a couple projects um and then uh maybe just maybe working to publish something on my own so we'll see we'll see what happens downright prolific Ah, i'm just stuck at home so and i haven't been able to do my day job too much with the kids uh uh, because I'm with the kids and uh, all this stuff. So uh, I've been working at night. And at night, I can do a lot of work on game design stuff. So so I am. At least best I can. There you go. It's going to be good. So you had the brilliant idea that we should take questions from the builders and other randos. Uh, <laughs> about <laughs> what we're, about uh, questions for us to answer this evening. Um, so yeah, so we're going to do that Yeah, and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing because I've seen these questions and most of them are awful, uh, but there's a few gems in there. <laughs> awful great. I'm not going to say, well, I'm not going to say which is which. Um, I'm just saying that these questions are awesome. Glee horrible. I hate them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's some really good questions in there. Uh, and then there's some submitted by, you know, um, 
by people that that ask bad questions. So I'm only kidding. No, there's <laughs> one though that's really bad. You'll know when you hear it. Um, no, I'm kidding. They're great. They're all great. Anyways, all right. <clears throat> I realize that I do not have a setup here where I can pull up the questions uh, without crashing either my video or the recording. That's okay. Do I got it. I got it right here. Okay. Yay. Look who's prepared. Not even for his own show. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so, All right. Well, I will let you kick that off then and ask the questions. All right. Uh, first question comes from Nate Darty. Best worst experience with tabletop gaming through virtual means since the pandemic started. Got you covered. All done, Nate. Let's move to the next one. Um, <laughs> yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. At yeah. some fat kid that's some like an addition sum. Yes. Wonders why there are so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side. So I've been thinking a lot about this question because well, first of all, because it is the terrible question I was talking about. Uh because because Ben, uh some fat kid, loves to reply to every question I ask for a legitimate answer with something completely unhelpful. Uh and that is one of the reasons why I love that man. So <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I was thinking about that, and the only two songs that I can think of about rainbows are uh, Over the Rainbow and then Rainbow Connection, which is claiming there are lots of songs about rainbows. Am I, am hmm. I missing something here? Uh, well, let me hold on. I'm just going to go to Apple Music, and we're going <laughs> to see if this is technically... So I'm going to search the term rainbow. Rainbow in songs. Okay. So there's like... There's a couple pages of results here. Of course, like a lot of them are by the band Rainbow. That's the thing. So that's, that's probably not a good way to oh, research this. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know. My guess is that there's probably a lot of covers of those two songs, and so he's technically correct, which is the best yes, kind yeah. of correct. So, so why? Because those two songs are famous, and <laughs> and you can make a little money on Apple Music by making a cover of a famous song and putting it up on Apple Music. I have heard punk covers of both of those songs, and they were both really good. Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, one of my I favorite. Can't remember things to who do. they were? Uh, the one was probably me first in the Gimme Gimmies because they did a lot of covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, that is they. They may have been both of them actually, but anyways, I highly recommend. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do actually on your favorite streaming service is uh, what I like to call cover surfing, where I take a song I like, I search yeah. for. Like with Apple Music, you do a lyric search and that gets you the most accurate results. Um, so mm-hmm. like yep. one line of the lyrics from the song and it will usually return covers in like all genres and all types by all kinds of different bands. You'll have at oh, minimum, at minimum, you'll have a heavy metal cover and an acapella cover and probably a bluegrass right. cover. Um, but you'll, but it's fun nice. to like explore how lots of different people all over the world have reinterpreted the song over the years. And once in a while, you find out your favorite song was a cover in the first place, which is kind of fun. Um, that is interesting, yes, when you realize that, because I've had that before, where you realize that the song you thought is actually a co- uh, the ori- original is a cover and not actually the original. Right. Mad World is probably the best example of that. Like, nobody remembers the version that's not the Gary Jules version. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's a fun thing that you can do after this podcast is, uh, go, uh, go search the lyrics of your favorite song and and find some covers. That's a pro tip. The other thing I would say is if you are a Weezer fan and you have not heard the Teal album, 
Uh, I know some people who like hardcore Weezer fans and they only like earlier or late Weezer or they're whatever. I like all Weezer. Uh, and the Teal album is really good. Um, there are some amazing covers on there. Billie Jean, um, Africa, obviously. Uh, I strongly recommend Mr. Blue Sky, which is great. If you don't think you know that song, but it was the opening song to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, and uh, not the Weezer version. And then also No Scrubs, which was an interesting choice, but a really good cover. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where they kind of bend the style of a song is a lot of fun, too. Like, yeah, especially yes. like, and that's... Like those technical memes where they'll take a song that's really happy and make it really sad, or vice versa. Right, right. Um, where it's like this song, but it's actually that song. Right. I don't understand how they do that, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's there's amazing. there's stuff that's like that audio engineering kung fu is way beyond my personal ability, and uh, and I'm jealous. So hey, it feels as amazing to me as the uh, as the terrifying. What is that called? The video thing they do, um, deep fakes. The deep fakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh like, yeah, those are terrifying uh, in a bad way, where the others are terrifying in a good way. Because, you know, one of them is just fun with songs. The other one is, you know, faking really bad things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that took a turn. That was like a happy song that we covered with a real sad song. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we got something Next out of that question. one. Yeah, we we, uh, we got some content out of that. Uh, Ramon Gutierrez uh, had like a bunch of questions. Uh, I'm going to skip to the last one. Uh, what are your favorite hour plus playtime games and why? Games that take more than an hour. Oh wow! How about you? Because I don't have many of those. <laughs> so I mean, for me, that's Battlestar Galactica. Yes, yeah. I remember you've talked about that before. That you love yeah, that. I'm I'm well documented on on why I like that game so much, and uh, it is sadly out of print. Uh, probably not coming back anytime soon. Um, so I'll probably check, let me think of another example because um, I think it's it's good to diversify your discussion. You know, I like the Firefly game quite a bit, and that does take a minute. I've never tried that. Play. I've heard I've heard it's good though. So here's the thing with Firefly: is we play on the fastest scenario, uh, and mm-hmm. the game still takes a few hours. Uh, the scenario is intended wow. to take like 90 minutes like that's the promise they make on the little scenario card that you get and it always takes us two three hours to get through it and that's if we play and that's if we play real friendly like there's a tacit agreement at the table that we leave the reaver in the corner and if you have an opportunity to move it you just leave it there as long as the game will allow you to do so because at a certain point it's going to jump into the middle of the board right but keeping it away makes it yeah Right, everybody's just kind of like, we're going to make a bunch of progress before this gets into play, and then when it really counts, maybe you you attack with it, but it's kind of like an unspoken rule. Um, right, but, that's fair. But, um, you know, it's it's a fun pick-up-and-deliver game, um, and it's one of those games where it's it's more about, like, flip the cards and roll the dice and see what happens. You know, it, it's, it's the narrative that's the fun part. Talisman is like that, too, where... You're not going to get into like super deep strategy with that. You're just going to kind of like see what unfolds for your character and eventually somebody will stumble into victory and it'll be fine. But um. Right. I think my least favorite hour plus game is a game that was not intended to be an hour plus game and that is Phase 10. So <laughs> because every time you play it, you're like this is going to go easy and then it doesn't. It doesn't. 
you like seven hours later, you quit playing phase 10, even though no one won because you just can't physically play phase 10 anymore. Um, no, actually pro tip for phase 10. Uh, we created this new way to play phase 10 where you are allowed to do any phase in any round and you don't have to declare it ahead of time. Interesting. So you get your cards and you're like, Oh, I could do this round. And you just do that round. Right. Yeah. Um, so you may find yourself jumping around. It basically what it means is when you get that perfect hand for a really tough round, you do the tough round instead of yeah. doing the easy round that you've been assigned. And then when you get to that tough round, you can't even do it. So it does make the game a little better. Uh, but realistically, though, like for real, uh, I think Stone Age usually takes more than an hour to play. And I'm a pretty big fan of Stone Age. Um, the, my wife and I just generally don't play long games. We just don't. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, I'm with you there. Yeah. Like... I I like complex games and I like longer games, but it's not a genre I gravitate toward, right? It's it's not something that I get really hyped about. Uh, like, oh, this game is a long game and it's got a lot going on. I'm excited about that. Um, right, right. Those aren't, those aren't the usual ones that grab me and make me seek them out. It's usually because I tried it because someone suggested it to me and said, I think you'll mm-hmm. like this game. Yep. And then I try it like, oh, yeah. of course, I've fallen in love with this game. It's great. Um, but yeah, like yeah. usually like 45 minutes for me is the sweet spot. Like a game that yep. can play out its three acts in 45 minutes is perfect for me. Yeah. And I'm in kind of in the 30, 30 to 45 minute zone there. Once it hits 60, it just like... I've never played a 60 minute game where I didn't feel like it was at least 60 minutes long, you know, mm. to where I was like, Oh, that was really quick. Right. You know, it just, uh, I don't feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of depends on the mood you're in and uh, you know, what, what you're up for. And and once in a while, I kind of like those beer and pretzels kind of, we know this is going to be going for a while, but we're just going to kind of sit back yes. and, and yep. enjoy yep. the ride. Um, also, shout out to Ramon who asked the question. So Ramon has been slowly trudging through our entire back catalog without that's impressive. spoiling it for himself. Wow. So he still doesn't know what's where we are now. Do, you, um, do we know about where he's at right now? He's He just crossed 150. Oh, wow. So, so he's got yeah. 300 episodes until he yeah, gets here. I mean, by, the, by the time he gets here, yes, we will probably be beyond 450. So... We'll be at the um, next pandemic by the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be done I with mean, maybe. this one. All right. So, yeah. So, anyways, but uh, that is really awesome that he's doing that. And so, he's been sending questions and we, we email sometimes. He'll, uh, he'll ask me questions. He bought a copy of Water Balloon Washout and then was asking me about it and stuff. So, that was... It's just really cool to watch somebody take that journey and be that dedicated because I would never suggest someone do that. I would always be like, <laughs> start, you know, around. Epi- I always would like, if somebody really wants to feel what it's like now, I would say start around like 370 uh, something right after Rob left, right? Right. That, there's the new That's format, your natural right? jumping on point at this stage, yeah. right? Bef- before that, we would always say, uh, start about it. Well, actually, yeah, we would say start about episode 300, which was the interview you did with us because it was like that covers all the other episodes. So if you right, want to go back, gonna catch you up to this to. point and like, yeah, right, right. It's the recap. So, yeah. All right. Con man at con man AU. Uh, for, so he's from an alternate universe, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. No, yep. no, we, we know sense. at con man AU very well. Um, 
What's one mechanism from an old-school mass-market game that deserves to be repurposed in a modern designer game? I, mean, I always thought that free parking, you know, giving you all that money was really a good thing. No, you're just winding I'm just me up. saying that to make you mad. I'll you're let just... you go first. <laughs> literally well, now just I'm too mad the bear. to go. I'm just going to rage quit this show. <laughs> as long as you send me your half of the recording of what we did till now, I can make it work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just loop the first half of the show and, uh, and then we're in good shape. Oh um, my gosh. I don't know. Like, uh, it feels like most games today have just been building on older mechanisms, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's when you look at older mass market games, really the mechanisms you've got are roll the dice, move your mice, and draw cards, and games still have those things. They didn't go away. Um, I guess the one thing that I, I wish we would see more, but I, I think it would be difficult to implement these days, is the sort of red lens hidden stuff technology uh where you reveal right, words right. And, and pictures and things yeah. by having like a red covering um but what we've learned since that stuff came out like i there's a couple of games that i really like that have that but those are a little bit more challenging uh from an ability perspective like if you're uh, if you're colorblind or have some visual issues then that red right. lens Absolutely. stuff doesn't work yeah. as well and, and it can be a real challenge um so I don't know if there's a, an innovative way to make that work a little bit better or just another way to, to present the same thing. But um, I always liked that in a game. Like when you uh, had, if it, if it was done well and it really hid the information the way you wanted it and then it mm-hmm. kind of revealed what you wanted to see, uh, then that was a lot of fun. Um, two things pop into my head. They're both pretty short, so I'll say both. One of them is about Monopoly, one of your favorite games. Which, So one of the things that I never knew about Monopoly when playing, other than the free parking thing, which, of course, I got wrong like most of America did. Right, yeah. Um, yeah you're, but, you're long since forgiven. It's okay. Right. One of the other things, though, that I, I learned um, that I really love about the game and I think is a really cool thing is that when you land on a space, you can buy that property. But if you don't buy it, somebody else can buy it correct right it goes up to auction yeah right yeah and that's like um that's a really solid mechanic especially Mm -hmm. for back then right like that it's like and that's something most people get wrong too right where they oh i'm not gonna buy it so no one buys it so of course it's just a dead spot buys it yeah and then the game just takes longer um but instead doing it that way it fills in faster but i love that mechanic of like i've earned this thing but if i don't want it someone else can someone else can step up and take it because the because it's then it's not just about I don't want it. It's also maybe I don't want you to have it. Right. right. So that um, pressure is different. And I think that's I, I think it's very clever and well done. Yeah. And, and then the sort of wheeling and dealing where um, if you can buy it for less than the mortgage value, you've actually made money on the property. Right. Because you can yep. always flip yep. it down and just collect the cash. Um, and so then it usually becomes once people figure that out, it's like can I get a deal on this property? Right. Um, right, right, right. Like the, the dark blues at the end of the track, I've always told people like that's garbage. Don't ever buy those at face value unless you absolutely have to. Right. Yep. Um, yep. You get $1,500 to start and that costs you about half your starting money and you haven't even developed it yet. Um, so it's, it's, right, a, it's right. a money pit early in the game. It's, it's hard to make it work. You can, but you know, if you auction and, you know, you, you can kind of figure out how far you push other people to buy it. 
And so you can kind of like sink somebody by getting one of them and then you go buy the other one so they can never develop it. And now they're out that money, like that kind of thing. Or you can use it as right, trading right. leverage, which is really good. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that decision is an interesting one that gets missed a lot for sure. Right. And then the other one, and this is this is from a word game. It's from the game Upwards, mm-hmm. um, which is just a it's a it's like a Scrabble thing except for it's an open board, um, and every tile is worth one point. Um, but you can stack letters to make new words, right? Mm-hmm. So, like if I have the word, um, if I have the word uh, tie, T I E, uh, I could put a uh, I could put a D on the end to make tied, right? Mm-hmm. Or I could put the D over the T and make die. Right. And I would get the same number of points because I would get the stacked points, right? That The point system, I think, is kind of neat, but that's not what is so intriguing to me about it. It's the idea to take that and put that in a non-word game. And the idea that when I make something, um, so I say I've built something, like a building or something, right? When I, by putting something on top of one of them, I've now changed everything all of the things that's connected to in a different way. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. Um, and I think that could be used well. If it pro- Maybe it already has been, but I think that could be used well in some sort of modern engine building game hmm. where I've got this, like somebody's built this engine to do this thing and now I could place a tile over it to now basically harness the engine that it's built in a different way. Um, and I think that's neat. I don't actually know how I would go about designing it, but I like the idea of it. So, so those, those, there's two ones for me. Cool, cool, cool. Um, from Twitter, cartoonist Aaron at the Labs Robot says, "Podcasting the game. What kind of game would it be? Uh, it would be a game where you pay money every single month to play it and hope other players just show up to play with you." Um, yes, literally is the same answer I was gonna give. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's a game that you just have to keep buying components for. It's basically a CCG right. that yeah, that no one else may play with you. <laughs> a CCG like, you may or may not ever have an opponent for. And so. the worst is that even if you do have an opponent for it, they don't have to buy the CCG. They just nope. get to use yours for free. Right. And expect you to buy more of it. <laughs> you, you have to get about 100 opponents to get one that shows up with their own cards. That's... <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my god! look up the funnel. Yeah. You'll understand what I mean. Um, <laughs> so uh, with the time we have left... <laughs> funnel. Uh, I threw this out to oh. the, uh, the Flip the Table Facebook group as well, because they're always good for a few questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a really good design one that I want to throw out from Jennifer Burkhart. Um, how much do you think theme influences game design and how much should it? Oh, that's a, oh, so there's, I think I have two views on that. If, okay, so theme, how much should, should theme? That's, that's a tough one, right? Should. So if you were want to make an abstract game where, or where, or a game where theme really isn't key to the game then it shouldn't matter at all right right but if you want to make a game that feels thematic then other than the game being fun it is the single most important thing about the game in my mind is that everything is driven by the theme so that it feels legitimate so that it feels like 
you know, oh, this is happening. Why, why is this happening? Oh, because it's like that thing from the theme. Great. I believe it. Um, but I'm also super harsh and critical about that, like feeling like that that's super necessary. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably a little overbearing on that. And I, and I admit that. Well, I think it really comes down to what is the promise that you are making your customer when you're designing this game? Like, what is it that you're trying to deliver to them? If you're trying to deliver an engine in which they can prove how clever they are by exploiting your game system, uh, then perhaps theme could be important to help people understand the mechanics of the game. But then beyond that, it's it's not as important. Um, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're trying to get somebody to feel like they are in the world that the game has created, now it's super important to a point where your game might be unbalanced and it's okay because it's part of the theme. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good point. I also think that when it comes to games trying to be funny, that games that nail the theme, they're funnier, right? Like if you're Mm -hmm. trying to make jokes, jokes and like funny mechanics that line up with the theme are funnier than funny mechanics that don't line up with the theme because they feel, they don't feel like they're running the joke like everything else does. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And then, like, but when I, I think, also agree with your perspective. Yeah. I mean, and I tried to think of a game where it has a theme and the theme largely doesn't matter and it's still a great game. And Codenames comes to mind, right? Um, nobody's, That's a really good point. Yeah. Nobody sits and plays Codenames and thinks, man, I really feel like a spy. Like, I really feel <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm a secret agent sending these code messages. No, it's a word <laughs> game, right? The spy right, theme right, right. hangs it together enough so you can kind of understand what you're trying to do in the game, and, and it gives it some shelf presence, but it's really not super important to it. Um, right, right. I mean, that game literally could have been called Guess Words, though I think that was already a game. Right, that's already... But, maybe um, that's why. Maybe they did, but... Uh, but, I mean, it could have been that simple, but somehow code names just sounds cool. Yeah. So, like, that theme... That theme just packages it up nicely and i think it does make it a little easier to explain you're like hey listen these words are people you're trying to find and you're trying not to shoot people who are not the right people <laughs> right but if you if, if you give me a game called unreal estate there'd better be some unreal estate in it and if you yeah, give me a I game agree. called battlestar galactica then they're darn sure it better be Cylons in it and betrayal and bleakness and space battles and, and all those things. So it, yeah. Yeah. So, so sometimes the theme of the game telegraphs the promise that you're making to your customer. And, and that's really, yeah. So that's what you got to figure out at the beginning and then whatever percentage, especially of the in, especially in IP games. Right. I mean, that's right. because, because people generally are buying IP games because of the theme right mm-hmm. i mean that's like it can turn out that the game is super fun like battlestar galactica but if i think battlestar galactica is is super dumb i could look at the mechanics of that game and say these are perfect but i still may not enjoy the game because i don't like the theme right so it makes it more of a challenge kind of right push and pull right yeah, yeah for sure yeah even monopoly like you think about themed monopoly right but are they really yeah, promising yeah. that theme because when I think about theme Monopoly, it's like the promise they're making to me is this is Monopoly in a great Halloween costume, right? Like, but it's still right. yes, clearly Monopoly, right? I don't play Super Mario Brothers right. Monopoly and walk away going, 
wow, I really felt like I was playing Super Mario Brothers there. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) You're like, Um, I feel like I was playing Monopoly, but my character was Super Mario, and so were the locations, and that's cool. Wasn't that goofy? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, I think it's, it's what is the experience you're trying to give to your customer? And that tells you how That's important fair. the theme is. Um, Robert James Cole, what is the first step to getting your game design off the ground? That's a tricky one, you know, right? Because I mean, like, obviously you need an idea, right? But that's not really getting it off the ground, right? Right. <laughs> that's getting it. Uh, I, I think the first step to getting it off the ground is, oh gosh, I, that's a hard question. Like, what's that? What's the point where you say like it's off the ground, right? I mean, yeah. to me, you have to have a prototype to say that it's mm-hmm. off the ground. But for, for but also for me, that's quite a ways into the process many times before I make a prototype. So sure, but like, realistically, it's it a lot. If I haven't made a prototype, the game very well may not go anywhere. So yeah, yeah. Like when I think off the ground, I feel like that means the game is functional enough that you can play the game beginning, middle, and end, and yeah, um, you probably sense. haven't had to Calvin ball a lot of rules. Like the engine works, whether it's fun or not. <laughs> to Calvin ball a lot of rules. That's right. Um, I stole that from Gilhova, so I'll give him credit where it's due. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So like I've had a couple of game ideas that I, in my head, they worked. And then I put them on a table. Nope. This is super broken. It does not function. This game did not launch. It failed to get off the ground. Um, But I guess the step in doing that is really up to the individual's creative process, right? Like some people are outline people, right? They like to take a lot of notes and they like to like do a lot of pre-work. Me, I tend to be more of a like, I'm just going to build a scratch prototype um, and try what's in my head and not write the rules down at all. Right. Um, Because I just want to see the parts clinking together. And I'm also a little impatient, right? Yep. Yep. Depending on the theme, I've done absolutely done both of those. So, yeah. Um, depending on the theme, sorry, on the game, like kind of how complex it is. If it's super simple that I can just, if it's a cards with numbers game, you can bet I'm going to be play testing it before I've written rules for sure. Uh, if it's got to have like some text and stuff like that, eh, maybe not. <laughs> That's a lot of work. And a lot of times I like to get that all out to look for problems. Um, and I think the longer you design games, the easier it becomes to see problems before you've actually played it. Um, that has always been one of the hardest things for me because I think about how I play a game and why it won't be a problem. And then I see people do other things and I realize it's a problem so I, it's taken a lot of me trying to like look at the other perspectives on what would this person do? So I've kind of created like people in my head. How would my wife play this game? How would this other person play this game, right? Um, and that for me has really helped give me a clear perspective on like looking at a, a rule set and saying, could this person play this? You know, and, and I kind of stage that out to like like barely gamers to epic gamers and, and everywhere in between uh, to say, does this fit the level that I wanted to fit at, right? All right. So let's see. In the movie Beetlejuice, uh, this is Ben Kubczak asking this. Um, he told me how to pronounce it once, I'm pretty sure, and I forgot. Um, so 
Fair enough. Apologies yet again. In the movie Beetlejuice... he's Beetlejuice Ben. Right. Beetlejuice Ben says, do you still think that the undead minister got paid for showing up and officiating at Beetlejuice and Lydia's wedding, even though the ceremony was not completed? Do you have an, an opinion on that? Uh, I think uh, you always get your money up front, or at least a deposit. Right, Cause, right. Because uh, uh, when you're an entertainer, you uh, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta value your own work, right? Um, yeah, and I hope that he did because let's be honest, if not, Beetlejuice totally stiffed him, right? Because it's just Beetlejuice. I mean, right, right. Like like when you go to an escape room. You don't pay on the way out, right? You go to <laughs> you go to a movie. You don't pay on the way out, like no, because oh my gosh, think of how many times you wouldn't want to, right? Right, like, right. It's like it, it's like pa- buying a lotto ticket but not having to pay for it till after you've lost. Right. <laughs> like I, I scratched off this lottery ticket. No, I lost. Oh man, I, really I demand a refund. A that was not as much <laughs> yeah. fun as I thought it was going to be. Right. Right. <laughs> so when you're an independent contractor, you we'll invoice up people up front for this stuff. At yes. minimum, you collect a deposit. But if you're real smart, you just collect the whole thing. And then maybe you decide exactly. to refund them or not if there are exigent circumstances. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and. Oh, so there's two more. Okay, so we'll get through these real quick. Uh, John Kalen, beyond your average gamer, how important is taking into account special needs players, such as colorblindness, for example, and how best is it to approach that issue? That's a big question. I don't have great answers for that, honestly. Um, I do know from playing with my friend uh, Flip Flory how important it is to consider issues like colorblindness in board games. Um, And I feel like the industry is doing a lot better job of that. Um, when I think about colorblindness specifically, I think it's just good UI to, um, Mm -hmm. uh, have not only just distinctive colors that are easy to read, but also to use text and symbols to differentiate those as well. Um, right, right. We've played plenty of games where the pawns were yellow and off yellow. And for even, you know, people who do not have issues with sight (laughs) typically, you know, that's, that's challenging and frustrating, right? Yeah, Yeah. Um, uh, I know that for me, I'm a little bit hard of hearing, uh, and so sometimes the games with electronic squawk boxes, if it's a noisy environment, I can't hear them, and it, and it just right, makes them right. not yep. playable. Yep. Um, so with, with app-enabled games, you know, things like uh, closed captioning is really helpful in situations like that that can help you get by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've played some games with some folks who have really low vision, and I know it's really challenging, and, and it requires uh, the game groups to be, um, to try to cooperate with that person as much as possible to give them the information mm-hmm. that they need to, to yep. play the game as well. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, no, sorry, go ahead. Go, go right ahead. So I was going to say, yeah, I agree. I mean, the colorblind issue is like, such a simple fix in general and it's just it is just good practice for everyone because yeah i know that i see perfectly fine and yet still have trouble differentiating when the colors are very close right um 
and you know we we talked with Eric Slauson the one time on the show, and like he talked about hues and cues, and that was done well enough that even as a colorblind person, he can play hues and cues, which is literally a game about color. Um, so I think that it's there's no reason not to take that into account um, when it comes to other um, disabilities that might make it difficult for people. I, I think it's trying to figure out to identify what those disabilities are and seeing how we can help work around it. And some of them just aren't feasible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like for blind, for, for, for blind people, um, you know, making every game have braille cards, just not possible for most publishers. Right. Um, but there are specialty services like Richard Gibbs makes some games, uh, where he actually goes through and punches them with braille to make braille versions of those games. And, that I think is another fantastic way to handle that. If it's something that your standard game industry literally can't, like there's just no way to fix it, right? Um, but the colorblind thing is simple, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. an easy fix, and it really does make things more identifiable for a lot of people. So just just fix that, right? I, yeah. I, most companies are doing a better job at it now than they ever were. So yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's opportunity out there for a company who is innovative and smart to make some money by making games more accessible, um, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so certainly, uh, the more we can make games more inclusive by making them more accessible, the, the better off we are. It's not a lot of easy Always answers good. out there, but it's something that the industry should be thinking about. Right, um, right. All right. Uh, one more. I think we got them all. Um, and Ooh. that is from Jonathan O'Donnell. What's the most unique mechanics that were actually good each of you have experienced uh bonus points if it's a silly themed game the most unique uh mechanism you saw in a game i think that um and i have not been able to play this game yet um but uh it's just a because it's a prototype but um eric slauson who i mentioned just a couple minutes ago designed the game kaiju haiku uh, where you're fighting kaiju uh, by writing haikus, and uh, <laughs> like that is ridiculous. Uh, yet the way the game works, uh, you can go back and listen to his episode. Uh, w- was just a- amazing, like so funny and silly, uh, but also like a really good solid game built into there too. So that that's the first thing that jumps out to me. Um, yeah, but you, I know, sir, have played many, many silly games. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting mechanics. Gosh, uh, VCR games speak to me, I guess. Um, and not all of them are great, yeah. but the great ones are real great. Um, so we're talking right, right. Uh, like Nightmare, Star Trek VCR. Um, I, I particularly like that sort of timed genre where you start the tape, you don't stop it, so you don't have to fool with fast forwarding, rewinding, all that stuff. Um, and you try to complete the tasks in the game before the tape runs out. Um, and uh, you see that in games today, like uh, Escape Curse of the Temple and uh, Fuse. Um, those sort of like timed games in the sense that the entire game experience is on a clock and you need to complete all the tasks before the end. It's just exciting right, to me. Right. Um, I guess videotapes just bring that extra level of kitsch and cheese that speaks to me anyway. But They do. They um, do. But I feel like there's also opportunity out there for somebody to lean into that because I, I downloaded an app years ago mm-hmm. where on your phone you could shoot video that looked like it was shot on VHS video. 
And I've always had this oh, idea nice. in the back of my mind, like, I'm just going to make a YouTube video of Monopoly the VCR game. And oh. it'll be a video that you play while you play a standard game of Monopoly, but it adds weird twists and, and forces you to try to finish before the end of the 60-minute clock or whatever. Um, I love that. And and you get you yelled at. absolutely do that. Like, they force you to stop, and whoever's turn it is, they get sent to jail or whatever. Like, um, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but But even, like, somebody could come up with an original IP and do something like that and make that sort of modern but retro VCR game. And, uh, and you could probably Mm -hmm. make a really fun experience knowing what we know today about game design. Cause you could strip away a lot of the stuff that didn't work in those games and really leave just the great stuff. Right. But you um, know what they should have in all of them. Chris Michaud experience beach. Um, yeah, just (laughs) sure. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm open for gigs. So, uh, if you want to hire me to voice your, uh, app enabled VCR game, then, uh, Business inquiries at contactflipthetable at gmail.com and, uh, and we'll figure it out. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, it's, uh, no, it is an amazing, like, idea. Like, it's an amazing idea. And I also just want to see you, like, with the top hat, like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I think the Monopoly. The, see, here's the, I think you would have to play it like Nightmare, right? Like, it's the Monopoly guy, but he's dark and evil and brooding and yelling at you, yes. like. He's like an upset. To be sort fair, of. that's probably what he's like, like in real life. If he- <laughs> he's not not so much a Daddy Warbox as a Mon- Montgomery Burns, right? Like a- exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, all so- right. Yeah. Well, hey, you uh, did you still want to pitch a game? Sure. If we got time, we can gotta, do that. Yeah, it's gotta yeah. let's let's do it up for you. Got to honor the traditions of building the game, right? Um, yes, yes. Sacred, sacred yeah. traditions. If you are a former Flip the Table listener and you ever bought one of our shirts, a lot of this is going to sound familiar. Um, <laughs> so here's what I've been thinking. Ever since you know I, I got real estate publishing out there and, and this had a great experience with that and I've been wanting to follow up with something, but you know things have just been weird lately. And, and so I think about revisiting old ideas right um and one thing i always wanted to do uh was apply a little bit more development to the game that we included with our t-shirts it was actually the idea of uh brandon pleshek who was the graphic designer that made our shirts he's like could we put something on Mm -hmm. a postcard that people could play as a game and it'd be a fun little surprise to throw in so i drafted in like 10 20 minutes an idea for a game it didn't have to be anything special it just had to be functional and uh, then he dressed it up with some great graphic design and it went in and it was a little surprise. and It was fun. And I've been thinking about revisiting that because maybe with some dev and with some salt on it, like it yeah. could be a fun like one pager print and play game or maybe even uh, mm-hmm. something in a box. You know, who knows? But um, nice. So so I'm going to pitch it to you with the sort of theme idea that I have and, and then we'll kind of talk through mm-hmm. some of the ideas I have. Um, yes. the name of, The name of the game mm-hmm. is... No seven, and I imagine the logo of this game just be the big word "no" in capital letters, and the O is the international symbol for "no" with a seven in the middle of it. And people would be confused as whether to call it number seven or no seven, and I'm okay with that. It's the camel up, camel cup problem. Um, oh yeah, camel up, camel cup. Yes. Okay. No seven. Uh, I imagine the theme of this is loosely like a television game show, like kind of press your luck inspired mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. game show. Um, 
So uh, the object of the game is to be the richest player at the end of the game. And uh, sitting before you is a uh, grid of squares, which I imagine it's a square board that you move around in a circular way, uh, five squares on each edge. Um, so if you roll a six, you know you can quickly jump to the edge of the board and then move one more space and kind of quickly move around that way. Um, each board space has a dollar amount on it, ranging from like one dollar on the start space, just as kind of like a like a goofy prize, all the way up to like $2,000 on one of the 20 or so spaces that you have. Um, oh, wow. On your turn, uh, you toss the dice. Uh, if you roll a seven... Too bad, you bust, you're done. If you roll anything else, then there's a single mover that circles the board, and whatever it lands on, you put in your bank. Uh, so oh, it lands okay. on $250, $500, $1,000, that's in your bank. And then you make a choice. You stop and keep that amount of money, or you continue, you roll again, you move again, but if you get a seven, you lose everything in your bank so far. Um, right. Once you bust... Or bank some money, the turn passes, the next player plays, and it continues like this uh, until one player has 10000 or more dollars banked. So if you reach that threshold but want to push a little further to try and increase your score, you can do that. When that happens, all of the other players get one more opportunity to try to overtake the high score mm-hmm. and win the game. Uh, so right. starting with the player in last place, uh, they go at it one more time and roll as many times as they want to or until they bust to try to increase their score and win the game. Uh, And it's as simple as the high score at the end of the game wins. So that's the sort of baseline idea that was in the t-shirts years ago. Right, right, Um, right. So so when I think about, like, how do I develop this a little bit more, I I have a couple of ideas kicking around in my head. Um, One of them is, you know, what if we wanted to take this beyond like a simple print and play and and put it in a box, right? What kinds of things could you do in that case? Um, Well, perhaps you have prize spaces, right? Where you land on this and you draw a card from the prize deck, which um, you can even leave face down. So it's only information that you have about how much you have for prizes. And the prizes range between like, just to throw out some arbitrary numbers, 250 and $2,000, right? Um, at the end of the game, after everybody has stopped, uh, you then reveal your prizes and add those to your bank, and then you determine a winner. So there's a little bit of hidden information to add a little bit of drama at the end of the game. Um, so maybe somebody has five prizes, but they're all toasters. Or maybe somebody has one prize, but it's a big prize you don't know until you get there. Um, so that was one thought I had about it. Um, if it was in a box, you could have cardboard chits to represent the money instead of just tracking on scratch paper. So that could be kind of exciting. Um, uh, another thought I had was um, maybe if you spelled the word car in one turn, like there's three spaces on the board, C-A-R. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's a monster like $20,000 bonus uh, that you get, but you have to do it in one turn. So it's something insanely difficult. Um, or the uh, other idea I had kicking around was and I didn't even know if this would work, but what if whoever won the game, you flip the board over and now they just play a bonus game to see if they win a monster prize and you just play it just for fun. They play by themselves and everybody watches. Um, (laughs) 
Like, you just turn it into a legacy game right there. Like <laughs> Monster Prize is then what you have at the start of the next game, right? <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds interesting. I um you know, the only thing that popped into my head when you were saying like how could we do this differently is like what if I could just spend my money to buy prizes that then influence things I could do. But then you had a bunch of more ideas that were way better than that. So well, it's, it's kind of interesting, um, yeah. though, like if you could if you had banked money, but then you could buy like insurance, right? Like so maybe you could buy, right, you know, like roll an extra force another player to roll an extra die. And if any two of their dice come up seven or, um, you know, free pass where, you know, you can kind of shield yourself against a bad roll or something like that. You know, that, that kind of stuff could be interesting. Right, right. Allow yourself to like plus or minus yeah. one on a roll. Oh, so like if I rolled a five, but that six was the big money, then I go to that. So I assume or, this game originally was not cash, but was instead points. It was just points, yeah. Yeah, because um, it was 10,000 points. 10,000 right? points, right. Um, <laughs> or maybe you just put that stuff in the prize deck, right? So like half the cards are just scoring at the end of the game, but then some of them are just secret things that you can then flip over. So I busted, but oops, I've got this thing that says no seven on it. And I cash it in, and it gets rid of the seven, and now I can keep playing. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Like, so yeah, so that's that's kind of the thought I have right now. It could it could be a print and play game um, with just a little bit of good graphic design development and uh, and figure that out, or maybe there's something more there. It would just depend on on how it tested and how it did. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you could even. Um you could even have like a sheet, you know, that everyone's playing on, right, as the print and play. But then you could have a second sheet where people are like checking off prizes and stuff like that, right? Like that they're getting purchased or getting, you know. So I mean, yeah, right. there's there's a ton you could do with that. That sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun, actually, and very like the theme with the TV game show is perfect. Like, yeah, just a perfect fit. Because you don't see a ton of board games right now that are TV game show themed that aren't based on actual game shows, right? Like, they're just like a made-up... Right. I, I think of Shoppin' Time that came out uh, a couple years ago, and oh, that one was mm-hmm. pretty neat. Yep, yep. Um, but, uh, like, off the top of my head, I, I can't really think of any that's like it's a made-up game show, unless it's like a Running Man-style made-up game show, like some dystopian future. Like. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Not as funny and happy-go-lucky. Well, you know, it's its perspective. (laughs) Uh, They all contain Richard Dawson, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, So I have to confess that during that pitch, I don't know if I have this light here. I don't know if you saw me pick this light up and shine it. So there's a window outside right in front of my desk here, uh, and it's an egress window because I'm in the basement, and I hear clunk, 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 which totally sounds like a person climbing down the ladder of the egress window, and I'm like... Am I about to be robbed? Because this is going to be awkward because I'm recording a podcast and I don't have an extra mic. So, like, how are we going to document this? So, (laughs) then all of a sudden I see these eyes and this face looking at me and realize, no, a raccoon is now staring at me. Oh, wow. So, I shined at it and I was like, oh, my, we get frogs and stuff in these egress windows. And I was like, if I have to try and get a raccoon out, like, that is not cool, right? Like, I don't want to deal with a raccoon with this little net I have. Uh, and then he looked at me, and then he turned around, and he just casually and creepily climbed back up the ladder wow. and disappeared. <laughs> so wow. he was like, well, nothing good in there. So, yeah. He was you know what been really funny is that you mentioned that uh, you were worried about getting robbed. I was imagining Rob climbing down your ladder and just like, <laughs> opening the window and sitting down. 
Yes. You just got robbed. <laughs> Complain about oh. my intros, will ya? Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you a hey, thing or so two. Speaking of Rob, uh, I sent Rob uh, a gift uh, recently. It's called Anonymous Potato. Uh, <laughs> and it was a picture of Rob's face on a potato. <laughs> for like 20 bucks, you just send someone a potato with a picture of their face on it. Uh, it's a total waste of money. I mean, if you don't like fun stuff. but So I found a picture of Rob on Facebook where he went as the Pope for Halloween. <laughs> so it is Rob's face with a Pope hat. And I sent it to him. And immediately he sent me a text and said, you did this, right? <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a month. And he was like, this was you. And I was like, of course that was me. You just got Jason. Of course. Yes. You got potatoed. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, well, we did end up going very long here, but I'm sure the listeners don't care um, because there's nothing else they have to do right now. So they might right. as well just listen to us, you know, <laughs> and it was better than an episode than an hour of static. So, yeah. <laughs> there's the review leave your five star review and put that exact text yes, yes. <laughs> better than an hour of static um, I would I might add the word marginally in there <laughs> let's be honest we're not we're not having you do dishonest five star reviews here right right um, so uh, well hey thank you so much for coming on the show uh, appreciate it it's always great to chat with you Always great to be here. This is fun every time. And uh, is there anything you've got you want to plug right now that's going on? Oh, let's just Other use than the usual stuff. Uh, video the, the dead podcast I used to do, uh, Flip the Table. You can still find that at tableflipshoot.com. The full series, which ended in 2017, is now 2020, and I'm still plugging it. Uh, but there's bonus content in there from the last few years, including uh, right. episode 10,001, which we did this year. It was a special reunion yes. show we did uh, uh, just before everything kind of hit here. Um, you can pick up my game Roll Estate at PNP Arcade. It's only three dollars. It's an amazing print and play, and you're gonna love it. And if you don't, I've still got your money. Um, <laughs> and uh, and if you do a playlist search for Square One TV on YouTube, uh, then uh, there's some good stuff there too. So uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so. Uh, I just want to throw out one last plug uh, for Jingshire, uh Blood in the Banquet Hall, uh, which is almost on a Kickstarter. It's doing amazing. It's uh, closing in on probably eighty to ninety thousand dollars. Go check it out. It's a really cool uh, role playing game uh, with some board game elements in it uh, and some really cool cultural stuff in regards to the Chinese culture. So check it out. And then I've got, if you want to get in touch with us, you can call, uh, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. You can find us on the Twitter. I am at PodcastBTG or at J.A. Slingerland. Uh, Chris is at TableFlipsU. And... It's still that, right? That is correct. Oh right? yeah, yeah. No, yeah, your like, name on there is your moderator, Chris, but it is still table flips you. Yeah, that's yeah. Like you, you don't you don't build a following for like a bunch of years and then just leave it behind <laughs> over a technicality, like a like yeah, canceling your yeah. podcast. So <laughs> right, right. Especially because it's like a great board game uh, with or without the podcast. Yeah, table flips you is a great, uh, you know, is a great board game. Uh, Twitter handle. So uh, you can also find us on all sorts of different podcasting services. 
And until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial seven seven hotel BGG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>